You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers God's Next and New, Part 1. All right, give your final, uh, give your final high five to your neighbor. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't... Um... Now, more than anything else, uh, don't you long for the fullness of the presence of God to be free in your life and free in your marriage and freed up in your family and pouring out in all that you do. And when we gather as a church, just have God pour out with such power and grace. And don't you long for that? And we sing, bring awakening. It's more than a song. It's a prayer. And God was doing that in the launch of the church. And so in the book of Acts, we get this, this emergence of the church. Oh, Jesus um, rises from the dead. And, and, and now the church is, is waking up. The disciples figured out, oh, wow. I mean, God's doing something. And he, he put a why to the church. And for the next, uh, you know, 20 minutes, I, I want to unpack a, a why. And, um, you know, this, this, this really isn't a pitch. It's our purpose. Uh, it's not an attempt at marketing, but we are praying uh, that God would mark us all in this. And we're not changing our why because uh, the church is changing. Not because we're changing, but really because uh, our country and our culture has changed. And maybe, maybe it matters. It seems that the Holy Spirit has whispered something uh, to us, and it matters uh, how we express our why. So grab your Bibles across the campuses, and let's uh, talk about our why from the book of Acts. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles over to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to sit in page, on page 1091, page 1092. Actually, let's go to page um, uh, 1092. Your worship center Bibles you picked up on the way in or they're underneath your chair. And while you turn over there uh, to this early part of the formation of the church, uh, let me put it in context. Now, as Jesus has risen from the dead and he, he revealed himself over 40 days, like 500 people, um, now this, this kingdom of God has a new power and clarity, and, and, and Jesus is giving them a, giving them a sense of why. And, and in fact, in, in Matthew chapter 28, he, he, he reveals this to them. I have all authority. Look on the screen. I have all authority, he said. All what? Authority in heaven and earth is what he literally declared. And then he tells them to go make disciples. So we have a sense of our calling under his authority and to teach them to obey all that I've taught. And I'll be with you. So the church has a sense of this, this distinct call and anointing over us. And what, what we're here for. And so they get in the upper room and they pray. And uh, the Holy Spirit moves. And the church is birthed. And Peter gets up and preaches the message. That uh, because of Jesus, we can be rescued and transformed spiritually and eternally. And transformed even here and now. This is what he does. And so if you're on page 1092 in a worship center Bible mobile device, it's Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
In other words, now the church is exploding. And because of Jesus, people are being rescued. And because of Jesus, people are being transformed. And this is powerful. Now, of course, you recognize this was a move of God. And not everybody, you know, not everybody said yes. Not, not everybody followed. Not everybody bowed. God was fully moving. And yet there were some who mocked. And there were some who were cynics. And there were some who were rejected. And then... Um, then they were walking soon after Peter and John uh, to the place of prayer. And on the way, uh, they came across the beggar, the lame beggar. And Peter said in verse 6 of chapter 3, if you're right there on the next page, then Peter said, uh, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And uh, the guy stood up and walked. And that blew everybody's mind, as you can imagine. And so the guy is transformed, and everybody's, whoa, I mean, just look at, look at that. And this is our nature when God uh, does something through prayer in the life of someone. Uh, we tend to look at the person and think more of them. Like, oh, Peter's awesome. John's amazing. These guys are something. And Peter interrupts that. In verse 12, if you're following along, he said, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? You know, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? In other words, he's saying, listen, don't look at us. Man, you look at us as if we've done something. In fact, drop, drop down to verse 16. He clarifies, by faith in the name of Jesus. By faith in the name of who? Jesus. This man walks. In other words, don't be impressed with us. This has nothing to do with us. This has everything to do with Jesus. Our why here is because of Jesus. And by the way, 12 stone, if you're saying, well, now what is it that the Holy Spirit whispered to you guys and the switch, the purpose for us as a church? Here it is, because of Jesus. Just jot it down. In fact, do more than jot it down. Say it with me. Our why is what? Because of Jesus. Do, do it again. Our why is what? Because of Jesus. And I'll cross all the campuses almost so I can hear you and then I'll move on. Our why is what? Because of Jesus. And this was so shaping um, to the life of the church. Early on, this was to be the, the, the if you will, the marking. Not, 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 not them trying to figure out. You know, how to, how to pitch something. It's, oh, now we're going to do a campaign because of Jesus. No, it was, this is in us. This, this became, kind of became, this is who we are. And why we do what we do. It's, it's really all because of Jesus. Now, um, you know, we're not shifting our why because we're changing. Uh, we're shifting our why because the Holy Spirit whispered it to us. And that makes it a really big deal. But also because I think our country and our culture is changing. And maybe the way we express our why in this next two years, this next five years really matters. I think uh, it's fair to say that I don't know, pick a number, maybe over the last five to seven years, uh, our culture is as polarized as it has ever been in this country. 
And over my 57 years, uh, these have been the most polarizing of any season that I've lived here in this country. And maybe, maybe because things get muddy and things are polarized, it's really important that we just graciously and clearly express why we are here. And why are we here again, church? Because of Jesus. Now, there have been moments when people in all sincerity and uh, full good intention have said to me, man, you, 12 stone has changed my life. And I've, and I've graciously corrected them. I, I said to them, I know what you mean. What you mean is Jesus changed your life, right? Right? Let, 12 stone doesn't change anybody's life. Jesus does. And if your life has been rescued and transformed, it's because of who? Jesus. Sometimes, I don't know, um, sometimes I think it matters that we say clearly who we are and why we're here. Sometimes maybe um, our name can get bigger and Jesus can get smaller. And that's not something God can use. And when Peter was saying, don't look at us. We're not the big deal. Jesus is the hero. Say it with me. Jesus is the hero. He's the one who died and rose from the dead. He's the one that rescues and transforms. This is all because of Jesus. And maybe, maybe in a culture that's highly polarized and maybe in an environment where, where people are recreating Jesus in their own image, maybe where churches are struggling, maybe, maybe where the world is trying to find its way, maybe it just matters that we declare as simply clear as we can. Our why is because of Jesus. In fact, I, I wrote this down, and I, I hope you'll just join with me. I'll give you a line, and then you just say together with some exuberance, because of Jesus. Let, let, let's practice. We have the hope of heaven. Of yeah, yeah. Broken marriages are transformed. Because of Jesus, nothing is impossible, so let's keep going. Families gain peace, harmony, and maturity. The power of addiction can be broken. Christ followers can experience success in their business, in their career, and finance. Why? Be because of Jesus. We value everyone and break free from racism and classism because of Jesus. He's the hero. We live for others because of Jesus. We can live beyond materialism because of Jesus. We have peace in difficult circumstances because of Jesus, we can be freed from sexual sins because of Jesus. We can forgive and restore broken relationships because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. That's who transforms. And the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was landing uh, on our staff. And in 24 hours, we just switched everything. We think because of Jesus, it's going to matter more than any of us know right now. Uh, the disciples had to clarify their purpose 
and the Sanhedrin brought him in. I'm trying to teach, but sometimes the Spirit of God just messes with you. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's just him confirming, yes, have this conversation with the church. Let them listen. Let them absorb this. This stuff has to go deeper, and the Spirit of God will do it. Maybe he'll sense, uh, confirm this in your spirit. See, the disciples, they, they watched Jesus transform this lame beggar, and then the Sanhedrin brought him in. And I'll let, well, we can read it. It's in chapter 4. I'll just, I'll just read it. If you're there, you can turn over to page 1094, chapter 4, verse 18. You got you to see what they said. Then they called them, that is Peter and John, in again. And they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. In other words, y'all need to shut up about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I mean, when Jesus transforms and rescues you, when Jesus changes your life or your marriage or your family, when Jesus changes your eternity and he changes you from here on earth with a better life, you can't help but talk about Jesus. You can't shut up about him. And so they said, well, I, I don't think we can shut up. And this, because of Jesus, became a powerful why. Now, listen, I drew this out a few weeks ago in our Grown Up Faith series and acknowledged that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and uh, Satan's influence in that, and that is a distinctly different kingdom than the kingdom of light. And Jesus brought light in the midst of our darkness. And when I talked about this, I said these are two very distinct kingdoms, and they're at war and at odds. And Jesus has already conquered and will. And some people say, well, I'm not in either one. I'm in the me kingdom. And of course, that's a lie. When Jesus taught, they said, no, you're, 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 never, you're not an independent on your own. If you think you're in charge of your life, that's just you being caught up in the darkness. And the darkness has made their list of what they believe to be true about our origins and about our identity and about family and about marriage and about morals and about finances and about values and, and how you do life and get the best life. And the world just checks off and says, this is the worldview. And then we talked about the fact that Jesus over here gives us a worldview and that we were created by God, created in the image of God. Our identity is him and how God created us and formed us in his image and how God gives us family and, and relationship and how God designed that to work and, and there's a whole world view and we've, we've talked through that and that there is no middle ground in this. G Jesus said there's no room for middle ground and a lot of times people get caught kind of living in the middle thinking they got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God and that's a really dangerous place. This undoes your life, and the church has to be really clear about who we are and why we're here. And just maybe, while the world is trying to draw the church uh, over into this side, and the church exists to reach out to the world and bring them into the light, from darkness to light, that while we do that, we just got to be clear that it's not the name of 12 Stone, it's the name of Jesus. That the only thing that makes the difference is because of Jesus. Because of who? Jesus. That he's the one who rescues and transforms. 
I know it's not that we're trying to elevate ourselves, but maybe every once in a while you just got to pause. And then remember that Jesus is the one who changes lives. Jesus is the one who loves a spiritually lost world. And that while we're in a polarized culture where the world is drawing this line even more definitively, where the world is almost redefining Jesus and telling the church how they ought to live, that the church should live so purely and clearly for Jesus that we can love the world well and bring them from darkness to light, but not be confused in our calling and our purpose. It's because of Jesus. It's because of who he is. And Jesus is the author of life, and he has all authority. In fact, Peter, when he was talking in chapter 4, said to them, now you have killed the author of life. In other words, Jesus gave life, he's the author, and he has all authority in heaven and earth. That's why we follow him. It's because of Jesus. And it's more than just the who. It's what he teaches And Jesus teaches truth and grace. And truth and grace is the gospel. God did not send Jesus to condemn us, but to save us, to bring us from darkness to light. And any time that you can speak of the truth that Jesus delivers, but in any way deny grace, then that's not Jesus. And if any time you can speak of grace, but it denies truth, that's not Jesus. Jesus has no problem bringing truth and grace fully together. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are perfectly clear on that. The only ones having problems with bringing those together is us. There is no conflict between truth and grace in the kingdom of God and in the heart of Jesus. And because that's the only place you can get truth for life to the full, and you find grace for forgiveness of sin, because that's who we are, then it's because of Jesus and what he teaches. And it's because of Jesus and what he does. And Jesus transforms. He does what? He transforms us. And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to whisper this to us. Make sure that here forward, you're very clear it's because of Jesus. It's our why. In a world that is increasingly in conflict and often trying to draw us into the messy, muddy middle. We have no anger toward the world. No desire to condemn because we lived here once. We get it. We're not holier than thou. We're made holy because of Jesus. We understand temptation and brokenness. We live in the midst of it. And yet by the grace of Jesus, we've been brought into the kingdom of light. We are just beggars telling other beggars that because of Jesus, you can be rescued and transformed. It's who we are. It's why. And the disciples, Peter, And John, when they got done with this moment with the Sanhedrin, they said, we can't be silenced. And church, sometimes the world wants to shut us up. Man, you want to talk about Jesus, you go in your little four walls and you talk about Jesus, but you shut up about Jesus everywhere else. And we can't let the world redefine Jesus because we're not talking about the Jesus the world's recreated. We're talking about the Jesus who created us. So because of Jesus is why we exist. Peter and John went back to the church and told them all of this. And the church had prayer and celebration and thanks to Jesus. And we're going to have a moment for that. So I'm going to ask you to stand across all the campuses, would you? Just everyone, all the campuses, stand. 
We told you this is going to be a bit different, unique. And we're going to have a moment of response. Stay with me. We're going to have a moment of response. What a beautiful name it is. This is worship to Jesus. Now, there are different kinds of people in this place and across campus. I'm very aware. Some of us, when we engage in worship, we're very expressive. And so we don't like being limited to our seat. Some of us like to come forward and, and, and almost as an altar. And you, you're free to do that. We're not prescribing it. We're just giving permission. Some of you are hands up kind of worshipers. Others of you, y'all are weird. And you're just this kind of thing. You're just like, man, give me my little space and don't mess with me. Some of you are like, I need to be in an aisle. I need to move. I'm a guy who likes to move. That's fine. No prescription, just permission. As we worship the name that is above all names. The name of Jesus.
Sit down if you can. Now listen. We're here because of Jesus. And there's no, um, there's no shy bone in our body about that here or outside these walls. I know that uh, some of you are hanging out this weekend and you're like, man, I'm not even sure I believe in this. I've just been invited. Did I come into something weird? I mean, what's wrong with y'all? Here's what I'm telling you. In the deepest part of your soul, you hope this is true. Because you're very aware that there are so many things broken in your life that you cannot fix. And you've tried. And you can get one or two things working. And God's more gracious than you know, even if you don't believe he's there. And you wish like crazy this was true. Because then you could tap into, walk alongside, and be engaged with the God who created you and the power of God in your life. There's nothing like it. So when we worship like that, we're declaring and acknowledging that of all the gods in this world, there's only one. He created all things, made us in his image. And we are here because of Jesus. And then there is a what that follows. And there are distinctives. When God sets a, a what in motion, and on April 14th, 
part two of this, I'm going to unpack it with a little more effort, give more time to it on the 14th than today. But today I just want to give you kind of broad strokes. If our why is because of Jesus, then what's our what? What's our what? Yeah, what's our what? You're like, what? <laughs> and three things. And these have been really clear for us. They've been building over the last 30 years. And God intends to leverage, I think, these to the next level. So we'll put them on your screen. But we believe God is going to use us to transform families, transform souls, and transform communities. If you're a note taker and you like to write stuff down, there you go. It's in front of you. Across the campuses, we're going to read those loud, together, and proud two times through the whole list of three. You ready? Here we go. Transform families, transform souls, transform communities. Now look at your neighbor and say it to them because they might not be listening. We're here to transform families, transform souls, and transform communities. Let's talk about it. It doesn't take a rocket science or a brain surgeon to figure out things are broken in our country. Things are broken in families. Things are broken in, broken in souls. Things are broken in communities. So there are things that I read to the staff when we gathered this past week, and I want to read to you the same exact thing that I read to them. First, families are fractured. And by God's created design, we are all from and part of a family. But families, where we learn about life and relationships, is the place of broken relationships. And this can no longer be one of 50 things we do at 12 Stone. It's going to be one of three things in terms of priority that we do. See, we're convinced that we have a distinct anointing and ordained calling to reclaim families. God has always had a vision of transforming marriages and families into healthy, whole, joyful relationships. And because of Jesus, it's possible to transform families. Whether you're in a, a fractured marriage or divorce or remarried or blended family or single family or single or dating, we are all knit by family and God transforms people and relationships and families. We believe that about God. So let me tell you a story. The guy's name is Pete. With his permission, I tell the story of Pete and Stephanie. Um, you know, they would walk in and out of here, just like all the rest of us uh, do. And um, when they left here, things weren't happening at home in the marriage as well as they might have looked outside. You know, a lot of times from the outside in, things look really good. But what happens in the home and multiple fights and keep repeating and finally got to the point where after the fights, most of the time, he'd just go sleep in a separate room, and that became normal. And um, one day, Stephanie just said, I'm done. You know, and they both understood, we are done. I mean, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it was ideal when we said I do, but right now it's I don't, because it just doesn't work. And uh, they reached out, kind of the last effort. You know, sometimes got to say, well, at least we can say we tried. And they got invited to re-engage. <laughs> uh, that whole re-engage marriage thing, that is so powerful. And they showed up and they discovered men and women. Yeah, that's the applause. If somebody's been in it, they'll tell you if they're leading it. They're like, you have no idea how awesome this is. And it's all because of Jesus. So, so they stepped in and they discovered that they were not alone. Like other people are having challenges. Listen, let me just help you. 
If you're having challenges in your marriage, in your parenting, with your kids, among siblings, in any extended relationship or dating relationship or blended family, if you've had any challenges, if you have any in any relationships, just put your hand up high. Anywhere in your life at all, look around. Hello, welcome to humanity. We're all And there's power in the name of Jesus to transform us. And they discovered they weren't alone. And then they got honest to God. And this was huge. They got honest to God and said, you know what? God's not number one in our lives, and he hasn't been. And they made a decision. We're going to make God first. Pete would tell you, we were a family, a couple who never prayed together. And we become a couple who prays together for each other, with each other every day. God has taken that on its way to divorce marriage where they had little to no hope. And God has restored their love for one another through their love for God. And because of Jesus, that marriage is whole and that family is on fire. Now, hang on, hang on. You want to applaud and I want to too. But listen, Pete would tell you he can't shut up about Jesus. Everywhere he goes, if you talk to him, say, hey, let me tell you about my marriage. That thing was broken. It was going nowhere. And Jesus interrupted. And I'm a transformed man. I got a great marriage. Isn't that just like God? That's what God does. That's what God does. He tra- In fact, we may just let Pete... And Stephanie tell their story on the 14th and give, just give you a better idea. And we could envision one type of big, hairy, audacious goal, I just want to say this, where we say, dear God, reverse the divorce rate in our community. Now, could we do that? No. But could God do that? Yes. All because of Jesus. See, God transforms marriages. Let me keep going. Souls. Let, let, let me read the thing I read to the staff. Souls are spiritually lost. Our worldly culture leads people into purposeless and meaningless lives far from God. And as I talked last week, if you were here, the church is not here to give out cookies. (laughs) We're here to give the cure for soul cancer. And we're convinced that we have a distinct anointing and ordained calling to rescue souls. Keep listening. And this can no longer be something only pastors do during the weekend services. Listen, God has called and empowered every person to be a witness. Every one of you designed and created for this. We could even envision a big, hairy, audacious goal where everyone can help someone get to heaven. Everyone can help someone get to heaven. Tell your neighbor, everyone can help someone get to heaven. Tell them again because they're not listening. Everyone can help someone get to heaven. Her name is Autumn. Autumn had some uh, serious um, challenges that that hit... um, really life-altering kind of challenges in high school, and it led to her um, escaping through drugs. Her choice of drug was heroin. So as you can imagine, highly addictive. And that addiction took over her life. So much so that um, it led to shoplifting just in order to fund the habit. And in the midst of that, of course, she was arrested multiple times. Ended up uh, pregnant and in jail at the same time. And what she didn't understand is that God had a purpose for her. And that God could do what nobody else could do. She's just a, a broken soul. And God began to do things and whisper things in her and draw her. But she didn't understand it. She was getting help for addiction. And the judge said to her, um, in addition to uh, this jail sentence afterwards, uh, you need to go do community service. What do I, where do I go do that? And she knew this place called 12 Stone. She's heard about it in the community. She says, well, call them up. Can I do community service there? And we said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it when the world sends them to us. That's just a beautiful thing. 
she starts doing community service with us. And of course, you can guess what's going on now. In fact, in her own words, uh, she was welcomed with open arms and, and she didn't even understand it. She would say now that things like, you know what, people treated me like I mattered and, and, and like I might have mattered to God. And she was so thrown off by that reaction instead of being dismissed as an addict who didn't matter. She decided to join a women's small group to figure out why. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> and guess what she found out in the women's small group? And all oh, this is because of Jesus. And she came to faith in Jesus. And God is absolutely rescuing and transforming her life. And it's a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing. And she was baptized today at Hamilton Mill. Today was her spiritual baptism. Thanks be to God. That's beautiful. In fact, why don't we just take a moment? Would you, would, would you pray for Autumn? Would you, just, would you just begin? If you're a follower of Christ, uh, if you're not and you're just hanging out, then that's a moment of silence for you. But all the rest, would you pray with me for Autumn? Father, we want to lift Autumn before you and say thank you for transforming and rescuing her. You are transforming her. God, we would pray protection over her life right now. We would say, God, seal this moment of baptism today in her soul. More than that, place protection over her life. The temptation of drugs and escape, they're going to remain. God, would you make her strong and powerful with Jesus and the power of your spirit in her? And God, would you drive her roots of faith down deep? And would you grow her up so that her story can be shared? Because God, she's not going to be able to shut up about Jesus. <laughs> That's what happens. Would you do that deeply in her life? And may her life blossom out of your blessing. In Jesus' name, everyone agreed, saying amen. Isn't that fun? See, listen, we've been about families. We've been about souls, but we're going to double down. God's been really clear about this in this coming next two-year vision that will certainly lead into a five-year impact. Let me talk. Communities are strangled. This is what I read to the staff. The fallout of broken families and lost souls is strangling the life out of communities. And God is calling us to transform present and other communities where we already are and where God's going to call us. We could even envision a BHAG, and I, I said it this way. God could five times our kingdom impact in five years, meaning this. What God has built over the last 30, 31 years, if we would fully follow him in this next season, God could five times the impact for the kingdom and change lives, and we could see transformation at a whole new level. And on the 14th of April, I'm going to unpack this in a greater detail. Things like how we're going to open doors in Bethlehem and how we'll open doors again and freshly in the next for, for Brazelton. We're going we're gonna to talk about about how God's going to use us in the next campuses and church planting. We're going to talk about things God's put on us for helping hungry kids in this territory, and it's going to be exciting and cool at the next level. But one of the things God continues to press on us in transforming communities is making a real difference in the name of Jesus in things like child sex trafficking. Ten years ago, we, as a church, partnered with three other churches, and we launched Street Grace to deal with this broken thing in, in society and culture, and if we don't deal with the ills, we can't see God's transforming hand. Over the last ten years, it's really quite miraculous what has been going on. Recently, we had a moment where the involvement of the 
government of Georgia and the state and, and politicians and businesses came together and were just helping advance this cause to rescue and help kids. And this is a rather uh, blunt, but I want you to listen in on this couple of minutes in Street Grace. The first time I was sold for sex, I was taken to a big house. Other girls are sitting there crying and you could hear girls screaming upstairs. And I mean, I kind of had an idea at that point that I was gonna get hurt. I did nothing to deserve this. At four and a half years old, I was lured from our front yard by a neighbor in our community. We were held there overnight where we were sexually and mentally abused. I thought that my neighbors were like my protectors. My community wasn't safe anymore to me, period. Now this is Chopper 46 video of a caravan of school buses. The group that put this on called Street Grace came together to speak out against this awful practice. Human trafficking is a here problem. Wherever here is for you, the majority of sex trafficking that occurs is our children who are being bought and sold by members of our community. We can stop it. It does not have to happen to any child. My wife and I have two daughters, and I just cannot imagine this happening to them. And if it was happening to them, I would just hope somebody would step up and help. Human trafficking is the fastest growing, second largest illegal business on the planet. The 72 yellow school buses that are assembled here today, each representing 50 of Georgia's children, are a difficult reminder that these statistics represent lives. I hate that my city is associated with such a horrible crime. I feel like too many people just bypass things when they can really actually do something to help. We remain committed to preventing any child from ending up in such a horrific nightmare and to rescuing those who may already be involved. I hope that this opens people's eyes. When they see those numbers going by on the buses, they think of the kids in their lives. I'm here to tell you, it is a long road to recovery, and no child deserves to have to experience something like this. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, yes, you can applaud. It's a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. So. I'm not saying the three things we're addressing are new. In fact, it's really a divine laser focus in a world that is changing. And we're going to double down on transforming families and souls and communities. And all that because of Jesus. He's the one who transforms. In fact, as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, we're just going to have a moment where we re reflect on our own transformation right at the bottom of your teaching notes. Just a, a moment for you to, to jot down and remember, because of Jesus, I have these blessings in my life I'm grateful for. And because of Jesus, I can pray these things that have yet to happen and ask for God's transformation in this area of my life or somebody else's.